Welcome to the Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs podcast, a place for podcasters to learn what's actually working in the world of podcasting and how to use their podcast to generate consistent leads in their business. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited you're here. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started in the podcast space. Sure. I'm so excited to be here. And podcasting is, of course, a mutual favorite topic of both of ours. So can't wait to jump in. I started an online business probably well over five years ago, and I didn't start in podcasting. I actually started off in the world of Excel and data analytics. So I was teaching in-person classes and then shifted to having some online courses. And the reason why I like to talk about my teaching background is because I think that's how I first became interested in podcasting. I've always been a teacher at heart. So I was really curious about podcasting as a means of sharing knowledge and informing others, but in a more casual way. So I think it was about four years ago, I started getting into podcasting and it's ironic looking back now, but my first podcast was called Figuring It Out. I mean, I got a LOL a little at the title, but I just kind of dove in. I didn't wait for the idea to be perfect. I didn't wait for me to have this fully formed idea of where it would be in five years. I just knew I wanted to learn how to podcast. And the only way I could do that was by having one. And after about 30 episodes, I learned a lot. I learned it wasn't quite the right topic. It wasn't quite the right podcast. And I ended up shifting gears. And a year later, ended up launching a bigger well-known show called Booksmart, where I talked about personal development books. So it was a totally different topic, different format. I had a co-host, different everything. And that podcast started to really grow over time. It became such a you know passion project, something we both love to do. After that podcast and after launching Teachable's podcast, I host Everything is Teachable. You just learn a lot having all these different shows on your own, but I learned there was a lot in common between them, which is how I started taking on clients and helping them launch their own shows. Because in the best way, there's a very systematized process for launching a show and it's evolved over time. But I found that I liked all that behind the scenes, nerdy techie stuff. And a lot of people were more visionary. They wanted to share their knowledge, but they hated all that behind the scenes stuff. So I was a good compliment to the creatives. And then ever since I've been in business, still helping some one-on-one clients, but now mostly helping podcasters through online programs to help them launch and then grow their shows. And it's a real joy to see them launch in such diverse topics from like witchcraft to marketing to motherhood and really everything in between. So I feel really fortunate to be able to serve them and to be useful. Yeah. It goes to show you, there's just a podcast about everything. Like a lot of people are like, but I feel like the market is so crowded and it's like, no, you could literally launch a podcast about like knitting and (laughs) find your people there. So it's crazy how many people can actually have a podcast and have it be beneficial. I wanted to touch on how you started your first podcast a little bit because I was similar. I did not really, I mean, I did slightly a little research and I like did the whole launch with three episodes type thing, but I didn't really like plan ahead. It was kind of like, okay, here's the topic here. I'm going to record these episodes. They're interesting. I'm talking to business owners, but I didn't really think about like the longevity of it. I was just like, oh yeah, this is cool for now. And then I like got to the point where I was like, oh yeah, this is not really serving my business at all. I'm literally just talking about different topics every week with different people. And it's not really going back to anything that I sell in terms of like my services or products. So I felt like it was just like not really aligned. And I feel like a lot of people kind of start that way if they don't have the support of someone who has started a podcast and has that podcasting knowledge. So I think that's important to bring back home because I feel like just so many people start podcasts and they are really excited about it, but then they realize, oh, wow, I didn't put too much thought into this from the get-go and I should have. 
Yeah, I had exactly the same realization. I definitely thought about having an ideal listener. For me, figuring out was this modern millennial playbook, all kinds of topics from negotiating a salary to dating profiles. And so I did have a clear listener, but what I didn't think about is exactly what you mentioned. There was no clear tie to the business I was hoping to build and to the authority and the space I wanted to be in. And so I didn't want to go on other shows and talk about being millennial. Like that wasn't what made sense for me. And that's how I realized that the topic wasn't quite the right fit. Yeah. And it's totally fine to have a hobby podcast. There's so many hobby podcasts out there and that's totally fine. But if you do have a business, you should probably try and link it back to that existing business. I'm at the point where I have this podcast right now. I have a podcast with my co-host about virtual summits. And then I also, I don't know what I'm thinking, but I just decided yesterday actually to start a third podcast just because it's a fun passion project. I don't ever intend to make it like a business, but it's funny you mentioned millennials, but it's about how millennials make money different ways, unique ways. And it's going to be called millennials make money. So just talking about how they make money outside of the corporate world. So that, like I said, that's not tied to any existing business and it's going to be just a fun thing, but I miss like talking to people who had different stories and weren't just podcast experts or podcasters. I still love it, but I just wanted something like kind of fun. No, um, I totally hear you. It's funny. <laughs> I have to talk myself down from starting a podcast about everything that's interesting to me because even though I love the behind the scenes stuff. I definitely identify as being creative and being a creative business owner. And there are so many stories and fun things that I would want to create a podcast about, but I know they would take so much time and energy, which is not a bad thing. It's just all about choosing where to focus. I think that's true as a podcaster, as a business owner, you just have to choose where you put your time and energy and you can't do it all. So I have to constantly cock myself down and not solve every problem with a new podcast. Yeah. If we did that, we'd have 50 podcasts. (laughs) Truly, yes. (laughs) But yeah, it's just funny to see because I see some people are like, oh, I just launched my podcast in January and I'm launching a second one in July. I'm like, whoa, I had this podcast for like three years before even thinking about my second one. So it's interesting just how people are like wanting to create, it just becomes like this thing where you're just like new podcast, new podcast, new podcast. And you you get to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, so much to manage. For me, I already have help and stuff. So it's not that big of a deal. It's just more content. But in terms of the production stuff, obviously my team can handle it. But yeah, it's just, it's been funny to see like a bunch of people get obsessed with podcasting and then continue starting new ones and new ones. It's just a lot of content. <laughs> That's so funny. And for people listening, you can start with just one. <laughs> you can always add more later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to have 20 podcasts to be successful. So cool. So today we're going to be talking about building a community around your podcast because podcasting, there's not really a way to connect unless you direct your people to another platform. So let's talk about some of the different ways to kind of build a community around your podcast. I think what's interesting about the word community is that it can mean a space where there are members, but it can also just mean the sense of building up camaraderie, a place where you can connect with other people. And especially in the last couple of years, maybe because of the pandemic or maybe just because of the way we're all shifting towards online, people are craving, I think, that two-way communication, where in the past, podcasting really worked as a one-way stream, the way that a TV show is you consuming that knowledge, that information, that entertainment, but you don't really expect to engage with it. But now podcasting, I think, is clearly trending towards two-way communication with the host and the listeners. So I'm really excited to talk more about community in general, since I think it's so broad, but also really important. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah. With the pandemic, I think everyone is creating that community. And I know for me back in January, I started really heavily using Clubhouse, which 
was a good way to build that community since it is live versus a podcast. It's pre-recorded. Like you have your conversation with the guests, but then that's that and you're done. So being able to engage on that platform has been really cool for me. And it's reinvigorated my passion about podcasting. I mean, I've always been passionate. I obviously have a business built around podcasting, but it just kind of like lit that fire in me again. Like how can I use this with my podcast and things like that? And just trying to figure out how to really build that community, whether that's like taking it offline to a membership type platform or really just connecting with the people who are like-minded, even if they don't listen to my podcast specifically. What have you found has worked for you in Clubhouse? Because I've dabbled a little bit, (laughs) but I'm just so curious because to me, I think actually you and I talked about this. It feels like an extrovert's playground over there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can feel a little bit daunting to me. So I don't know. I'm curious. How has it been working for you? That's a good question. I mean, I honestly haven't had like too much extra time to dedicate it to using it specifically for my podcast. Like I'd love to host like a weekly room around my podcast, but when I would do that would typically be nighttime. But right now my son is in the like media room because we had like a flooding incident and we need to get new carpet and all this stuff. So I don't really have the nighttime to be hanging out on clubhouse anymore, but I just use it in terms of networking. I haven't really promoted my podcast too much on there, but just in terms of growing my, it's kind of converted into growing my Instagram following because if like people like what I have to say in clubhouse, they'll follow me there. And then also I'll see quite a bit of people come over to Instagram as well, which is really cool. So that's kind of how I've seen it work for me in terms of like more so growing my business, not necessarily like my podcast listenership. And I know it can be beneficial because I know like Our friend, Laura, she's actually going to come on the show to talk about Clubhouse and I'm actually interviewing her right after this, but I'm not sure when her episode will go live. So I think, yeah, she's better about that than I am. And obviously she's used it to grow her, her podcast specifically. But for me, I'm like, I would love to do that. But right now it's just like a busy time. So I've just been mostly using it to network and meet new people that I would never have gotten the opportunity to meet if I was just hanging out on my old places that I was always at. Makes total sense. And we'll defer to Laura and let her grace everybody with her clubhouse (laughs) knowledge. I think something that you and I though can talk about is Instagram because Instagram to me is really interesting as sort of a community based platform. When I think of the different, I'm going to call them sort of social media options. People often lump everything from Facebook to Instagram, to LinkedIn, to YouTube, and even Pinterest all in one. But Mm -hmm. to me, there are two clear types. One is more of a comment or a feed based interaction, which is what you see on Facebook and Instagram, even Reddit. And then you have search engines, Mm -hmm. YouTube and Pinterest. So to me, those two are totally separate because although they can be great means of building a business. And in fact, Pinterest is my number one source of organic traffic for Witten Wire. It does not have any kind of real conversation. (laughs) So for our discussion on community, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. But with Instagram, lately I've been playing around with a lot of their new features. As a general rule of thumb, I try to engage with new features on platforms that I'm already using because Instagram tends to favor them. Reels has been the biggest one of the last year, but now guides are coming out and remixes. And I'm sure by the time this episode airs, I'll have 20 new things that I haven't even heard of yet. (laughs) But just testing all of them, not because you have to use them forever, but just to see what works. And what I've noticed works well in Instagram is I would say maybe two bigger things. One is linking my episodes to Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask people 
not even just to send me a DM. Cause I don't love being always in the DMS that kind of feels like just another inbox to manage, but instead having people share in their stories when they're tuning into an episode and getting more specific. Like if I could give a clear piece of advice, it would be that people follow specific instructions better than vague. Right. So instead of saying, Oh, just take a screenshot and say that you're listening, say, what was your favorite tip or which of these three things have you tried? Ask people to really engage with something that's mm -hmm. specific. And the stories are a great place to build up people's uh, relationships with you because you can have polls and questions. There's so much you can do in stories that's both interactive and very casual. Like you don't have to put a lot of effort into making it look so perfect. I think stories are great for that. And then I've also noticed that in my feed, at least, which includes reels, the less I post, the better my engagement is. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm posting just less, but doing the same thing. I focus on quality over quantity. That's right. a big just business belief overall. And I would say in every post I share, I always try to end with a question. So if I post about podcast editing, I might say, what tool do you use to edit your podcast? I keep it really light, something really easy that they can put in the comments. And something that I have tried a little bit, but I want to explore more is really using what's called user-generated content in my account. So USG user-generated content means that you are sharing what other people are posting. So I have a hashtag wit and wire podcaster. And if people use the hashtag, I often share those posts to my account, or I'll feature students in my community, or I'll show off their podcasts in different ways. And you can do that in actual posts or in comments. But I think that by elevating others, it only shows off you as an expert more. So instead of just always talking about what you're doing, I think a great way to build community is to really show off the listeners and the members of your existing podcast audience. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to have a specific hashtag or whatever, some kind of way that you can track that. Cause otherwise it's like, how are you going to be able to find that? Cause you're not obviously following every single person that listens to your show because you don't know who they are unless they tell you. So I think that's really crucial. And Instagram stories has been great for me as well. And Instagram in general, I usually tell people to share on Instagram stories, their biggest takeaway from the episode, or sometimes I'll direct them directly to my DMs, which sometimes I regret because then I get, <laughs> I don't, it's not that I get like hundreds of DMs, obviously, but I get a lot and I'm like, oh, wait, which episode are you like, which episode are you coming from? Cause I'm like, oh, I just really love the episode I listened to. And then I can always specify. So I'm like, oh wait, which one? I have a lot, but yeah, I think Instagram's great. And then and something I like to do to kind of talk to my community and get them involved for me is really utilizing the poll feature. And I usually, I actually talked about this in the clubhouse room yesterday, but it was kind of about community as well. And I said that I really like giving people like two different options. Like what episode do you want to hear this week? And then I let them vote and my little pro tip is that there are already episodes that I've recorded and they're ready to go. So it's not something I have to be like, oh, I need to go record this episode because 50% of people voted for this. So I have it two episodes that are already recorded and I have them vote A or B and then they pick the one they want to listen to this week. And that, that's the one that goes live. So they feel involved in the process, but it doesn't add like any extra work on my plate because they're already ready to go either that or they're already recorded. They may not be like fully edited or anything, but then we can just choose. Okay, cool. They said this one, let's go with this one instead of adding that extra work to your plate. Cause I know for me, I have a 10 month old who is with me Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I do not have time to just randomly record a new episode in the middle of the week because my Instagram people told me to. I love that idea. I think getting people involved, like you said, it makes them feel like they're involved in the process. They are involved in the process. So then later when the episode comes out and it's the topic 
they voted for, they'll feel even more excited to listen to it and even more connected to you. So I'm definitely going to try out that tip too. Yeah. And I think there's one more thing that you said that sparked kind of an idea, which was just that on Instagram, we focus so much on putting content out there. And I know even both of our tips are about putting out content, but something I do that honestly does not scale at all in my business is that I reply to every single comment on every single (laughs) post. And it takes me absolutely forever, but I think that it's worth it because those little extra things to show that you're engaging with people, even if your replies are really short, I think they add up and make a difference and show that you're a real human behind your business because nothing feels worse than sharing your favorite tip or something that you really took effort to comment about and then just hearing crickets, Yeah, even just like the heart, even doing something just to acknowledge it. I think that goes a long way. I agree. I always at least heart it. I try to respond, but like I said, my time is crazy limited these days, but I do try to respond or if I don't, I definitely tap it and give it a heart. Cause I think people take the time to engage with you. And if you don't respond back to them, they're going to stop engaging. And then you're gonna be like, Oh, why'd my engagement go down? So you weren't reciprocating with that person. And that doesn't mean you need to go over and comment on all their things either, but just a simple reply will go a long way for sure. Exactly. And even when I'm watching stories or looking at my feed, I don't spend a lot of time doing it. I'll be honest. Social media is not my favorite thing. <laughs> so I log in maybe once a day max. I really try to keep it in small bursts, right? but it goes such a long way, even just to react with an emoji to somebody's story Mm -hmm. or to add a comment that says congrats instead of just a like on somebody's post. And I'm not even talking about for the algorithm. I'm talking about purely as like a human. Mm -hmm. It just makes the internet feel more real. And so if you treat Instagram as a place where only you post content, I don't think you're going to get the kind of engagement that you're really looking for. It has to be two way. Yeah. Yeah. People aren't going to follow along with you if you're not putting any effort to make connections with anyone else. Like I know for me, when people follow me, typically my VA will send the first message like, Hey, thanks for following. I'm so excited to get to know more about you. Tell me a little bit about yourself, things like that. And then from there, I'll pick up the conversation and then we'll go back and forth. I don't have to send that initial outreach because it's kind of templatized, but I still after that, I pick up the conversation and continue engaging with that person. That really goes a long way, especially since, like I was saying earlier, I've been getting quite a bit of influx from Clubhouse and I usually try to vet through and say, hey, this person, like you don't don't need to reach out with, to them. I will. Or edit the template and say, tell me about what you do or things like that. Cause I don't know, cause I saw them in a room or whatever. But yeah, so that's been really helpful for me just because before I wouldn't do that because I just didn't have the time. And now I'm able to pick up the conversation where it actually matters and really engage with those people because they took the time to come over from Clubhouse or my podcast or whatever and follow me. So obviously they like what I do. It's important to just DM them. And I never am not sitting there DMing them with a hard pitch or anything. It's literally, I'm very genuinely interested in what they have to offer. And then a lot of the time they're like, oh, I really want to start a podcast or, oh, I have a podcast and I have a question or something like that. So it really sparks that conversation that they probably would have never commented that on my post. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. And even hearing you say that your VA goes through and shares those opening messages, I think that's great. And it's a perfect opportunity for a template because you don't have to be overly creative in starting the conversation. I'm sure you personalize it slightly Mm -hmm. to each person, but I think that templates and that kind of structure is the only way to keep yourself sane (laughs) as a business owner, because you're still doing something that's personal. The message is still personal. So I think that's a great tip. Right. Yeah. And then once like, once that happens and they respond, then the rest is all me, which sometimes I'll take a couple of days to get back to messages just because life limited time. But I always make an effort to really engage with the person. It's not just like a sales transaction. Cause I know a lot of people are like, 
get in the DMS and sell. And like, there's a time and place for that. But for me, I really want to meet people, make these connections because I am all about community and I, I love collaboration. And in the future, if I want to have that person on my podcast or something or collaborate with them on a summit or anything like that, like you need to have that two-way open line of communication. You can't just be like cold pitching them. Hey, like you've been following me for 10 years. Let's want to be on my summit. And I've never spoke to you at all. So I think that's really important. I think you brought up to like summits and we're talking about community. There's so many other avenues too. We've talked a little bit about Instagram, but there's also free Facebook groups. There's summits, there's paid memberships. There's so much more that we could get into when it comes to community. And I wondered if there were any specific directions you wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm just curious. Do you think there's a best type of community to send our listeners to? Obviously it's probably like dependent upon that person's audience or just, do you have a preferred way to connect with your listeners that you can think converts like other than what we've already talked about with Instagram? Yeah. I think for some of my students in particular, they've started their own free community, whether it's Facebook or hosted elsewhere. And for those specific topics, I think it made a lot of sense for a couple of tangible examples. One of them talks about trauma. So for her trying to engage with people on social media is very public And she didn't know if people would want to be sharing so openly, but even a Facebook group with a small audience, it doesn't need to be a huge audience to have an impact because even if only 10 people were in that group and they were all feeling engaged and feeling like they were in a a safe space, like that would make a difference. So to me, when I think about does a free community make sense? I think you have to ask yourself, do you want to facilitate conversation among members? Does it benefit them to talk to each other versus only talking to you? And obviously, do you want to put the time and energy into doing it? (laughs) But another um, student, she talks about simple tips for moms to keep their houses clean and to keep their kids occupied so she can get work done during the day. So it's all about these simple tips. And so for her, having this Facebook group makes total sense because all the moms in there are sharing a lot of tips and then the community becomes really valuable and it's a free community, but I think there comes a tipping point where you can charge for that kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. Not a ton. I'm talking like one to $5 a month, like nothing crazy at all, but that kind of value doesn't just build your bottom line. Literally. I think it also creates a more engaged community because in the game, they actually participate. So I wouldn't even think about it so much as how do I earn money? It's about how do I make sure that the quality of members are showing up and providing value to each other too. So I love that kind of realm of listener community, whether it's free or paid, really. I love that. I used to actually have a free Facebook group. I know it's still in existence, but I haven't like added members in like a really long time because it's just becoming overwhelming to me. But lately I've seen people who have, they have small, tiny offers and other products like that. What they're doing is having anyone who has purchased from them, whether that is like their big ticket items, their tiny offers, whether they did replays for their summit and whatnot, they'll put all those people in a group. And then I think to me that it feels more in alignment with my time right now. And just in general, it just seems like you said, the people have more skin in the game. They either, even if they purchase something that's $7 or $27 or whatever, that you feel like they're going to be more dedicated and more committed to showing up and asking questions. And you feel like, okay, cool. I already helped you here that you're showing up in my group to ask more questions. Like clearly I've helped you in some way versus like free groups are great, but they can be so draining, especially if you have a ton of other things going on. If you're like, you have an Instagram, you have a clubhouse, you have all these other things that you're trying to get into every single day. Having that like small paid community, I think is really something I'm interested in exploring myself. And I think a lot of my clients would probably benefit from that as well because they are limited on time. 
and just having people who are just more dedicated to show up. And then typically those people will end up taking over too and helping you out as well and answering questions too for you. So you don't have to worry about every single question being answered. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because actually that is what I do. I have a community, but it's only for students. And I think that's a trend I'm seeing as well. What's nice about that is they're not necessarily paying extra, but they're still getting to interact with each other. And something that I think about often, and I feel like I'm always trying to improve is that I have a community of podcast hosts and so many of them have met each other and collaborated and gone on each other's shows and done these amazing partnerships. And I'm constantly thinking about more ways I can connect my students to each other. And that's a unique position we have, whether you're a service provider and maybe you want a community of clients and listeners, or you want to keep it to people who are paying you or you have students, the makeup of that group, I don't think is what matters, but people who have paid you money, I think it, it makes a difference. And then it feels exclusive, not in a, everyone should keep out way, but exclusive in an, I'm getting value out of this way in a, the people who are here really want to be here. And they are also obviously paying for something, which means they're invested in this kind of way. So I personally really like having my student only community. I feel like it lets me still offer a lot of great tips, but then I don't feel like I'm spreading myself so thin with a free member community. Mm -hmm. And I'll be totally honest. I don't like Facebook. Like the reason I don't have a free Facebook group is just because I didn't like being in them. And to me as a business owner, that was reason enough, despite everyone telling me you need a Facebook group, you need a Facebook group. And probably it could have helped me grow a group. I probably could have had a group with a nice vanity metric size in terms of group members. And I think I would have hated it. So I just decided that wasn't for me. Right. Just in terms of Facebook groups, I've actually heard a lot of people that have these really big groups don't even really make that much money off of it because everyone else is too busy promoting themselves and things like that. And it's just, it's not, it's more of a time and energy suck than it is like a revenue stream. And obviously as business owners, like we we need to make money to live. <laughs> so if you're like spinning and putting all this time and money, having admins and community managers and things to run your big Facebook groups, it should be at least like somewhat profitable, you know? So yeah. Even think about it this way. If you spend only an hour a day on your Facebook group, that's seven hours a week. You or somebody on your team is spending and you multiply that for a full year. Are you going to earn that much in either client revenue or course sales? I would guess probably not. I would guess that your time and energy could be spent in a different way, either finding more business or really going above and beyond for the clients and the students that you already have. And I know I have a very biased opinion. I've already (laughs) told all y'all, I don't love Facebook that much, but I think that building community on a platform like Instagram is a great place to engage with people who are not paying you while having a student only community is a better place for you to really just share all your best knowledge and help people connect to each other in a way that doesn't feel like you're just giving away all your knowledge for free. Right. I'm in the same camp as you. Like it it doesn't matter if you pay me $7 or $4.97 or whatever. I think it's important to have a place for people to feel comfortable. And I think it also eliminates like not that any questions are dumb, but like the more beginner style questions that you get in those free Facebook groups. Cause I can't tell you how many times I've seen, how do I start a business? I don't want to do an MLM, but what's the best way to start a business? And that's asked frequently in these free Facebook communities, even though you can use the search bar, people just don't do that. So I wish if there's something I wish for the internet, it's that people could use the search bar (laughs) wherever they are. Are you on a social media platform? Are you on Google? Do you see a search bar? I would just love for more people to embrace it because I don't feel like people realize how much information is already there that they can access. Yeah, no, it's funny. I used to have, well, this is kind of a random point, but I used to have a friend who would always ask me like questions that she could easily Google. And I would be like, 
I don't know, like Google it, or I did know, but I just didn't feel like explaining it. I was like, I don't know, Google it. And it's just, there's so much information on Google and free Facebook groups. If you just use the search bar, you will get probably better answers than you did if you asked a group. So agree. Yeah. So what, like, how can we actually convert these people from our podcast over to other platforms to engage with us further? Do you have any suggestions on how those listening can implement this in their own podcast and get people to go from the podcast to Instagram or the podcast to a Facebook group or whatever they're like, or even the email list? What it like, do you have any kind of ways to get people to get those people still listening to the podcast, but to another platform as well? Yeah, definitely. I'm probably not using the right name, but there's something in marketing called the rule of seven, which says that people need to engage with your business or your brand at least seven times before they make a buying decision. It comes from the world of advertising in terms of how many times you might want to see a commercial. And I'm bringing it up because although we're talking about how to convert listeners into maybe leads or customers, which I'm definitely going to talk about. It's one of my favorite topics. (laughs) I also want to just remind everybody that people don't necessarily find your podcast first. To me, it's just part of the loop of the relationship that you're building with them on an ongoing basis. So they tune into some of your podcast episodes. They see you on Instagram. They're engaging with you. Maybe if you have an email list, all of these touch points add up to make a difference. And I bring it up because to me, I see a lot of podcast hosts only talk about what they do sometimes. Like once in a blue moon, they'll mention in a hushed tone because they don't want to talk about selling. Like, (laughs) oh my God, I have a service. Do you want it? Or I have a course. Do you want it? And they don't talk about it enough. But instead, I think the biggest favor we can all do ourselves is to reference what our business does in every podcast episode and more often online. And I'm not talking about making a sales pitch. I'm just saying out loud, like for you, you would say like, we offer podcast management services. Like it's just including what your business does on a regular basis. Now, sometimes I think it's good to feature it, whether it's you using what could be seen as ad space on your podcast, but really talking about what you do or just bringing it up naturally in conversation. I think that talking about what you do is really critical. And then there's two paths to go down. Path number one, which is what we're talking about currently is not being afraid to tell people what you sell. Big difference between selling it and being pushy about it, but just be really upfront about what you sell and mention it often, at least once an episode, even if it's just in the intro or just sprinkled here and there. But the other approach is how do you convert somebody from one channel to another? And you have to give them some kind of intent. So for example, we've talked about Instagram where we've said, if they're tuning into the podcast, a great way to convert them into becoming an Instagram follower is to have them post a story or to say, I actually posted on Instagram about this episode. I'd love to know what you think and getting them to engage on a certain post. So you can go in that direction, but then from podcast to email list, I think is the other big one that I think about all the time. And if you are a service provider, I've had some students have success with a free strategy call where at the end of the episode, you can say, if you enjoyed this episode about procrastination, I actually offer productivity coaching. If you want to learn if we're a good fit, you can book a free discovery call. But what I see people doing wrong in that call to action is that all they say is you can book a free call with me and go to this URL (laughs) where I think you can seal the deal a little bit better is by explaining who it's for and what the benefits of working with you are. It can be a quick sentence, but instead of just saying, Hey, I do these free discovery calls. You can book one at this link. Say I do this free discovery call. If you've been feeling really burnt out lately, because you feel like all you do is stare at zoom screens all day long, but you aren't really making money in your business. If you book a call with me, I'd love to talk about how we can move you from feeling burnt out to feeling like you're fully in control of your business. And then you give the URL. Right. So I think be a little less afraid of selling that free call. I don't think we often think of selling the free thing, but you're still selling the free thing. And then also I'm sure 
Jenny, I'd love to hear what you think too, but having free opt-ins is maybe the oldest game in the book. You want to give somebody something to get from you that is legitimately valuable. So whether it's a downloadable or something I think is fun for podcasters is to do like audio guide or even a collection of some of your favorite episodes, like a starter kit or like the all-time favorites and package it up as an opt-in or something I'm testing out right now, which is about to go live. I can't say it's worked yet, but I'm feeling excited is doing a quiz I have a good feeling that doing a free lead generation quiz from a podcast is a great way to capture email leads, but (laughs) six months down the road, I'll be able to tell you if that hypothesis (laughs) turns out to be true. No, I love the quiz idea. We actually do that with our virtual summit podcast. We, that's one of our like call to actions on the episodes. We also have like a downloadable as well, but we also promote our quiz and it basically tells you like if hosting a summit is going to be a good fit for you. And it says, yes, it's good fit. No, it's not. Or potentially, but here's some things to consider first. And it's been really fun to share that because I think it's just like people like things like that. And even from like my summit that I did, I actually did a quiz for the attendees and they would get to know which presentations they should attend based on their stage, their stage of as a podcaster. So I thought that was really helpful too. So I think quizzes are really fun. I I am a big proponent for email opt-ins. That is typically what my clients do. That's usually what I do. I either do that or direct them to engage on Instagram, DM me on Instagram, let me know that kind of thing. Sometimes I'll send them to a free webinar or something as well, depending on the episode. If I'm talking about monetization, then I usually send them to that. But yeah, I think email is great because then from there, if you have a free Facebook group, you can send that link in the very first email for them to join. And then we really get in their universe and they know when your big product launches are happening. It's not just, oh, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Maybe I'll sign up and then they forget about it. So I think email is great. Directing them to Instagram or any other place like that is wonderful Facebook groups. And yeah, don't be afraid to sell. I went like my entire podcast until I converted to this focus. I want to say it was like September, 2019 is when I converted to this focus. I don't think I talked about, I had zero ad segments at all. It's a wonder that I had any clients. I'm just kidding, but, (laughs) but I never talked about what I sold on my show previously. And that was such a big mistake. And some of my clients, I feel like I'm like pulling like teeth to try and get them to talk about their services. Still, like I tell them it's important. They're like, yeah, I know I should do that. But then getting them to record the segment, it's another story, but I think it's just really hard, especially I know a lot of people listening to the podcast are women typically. I'm sure we have male listeners as well, but women have a hard time selling themselves and talking about what they have to offer because in the past we've been told that we shouldn't do that and we shouldn't be salesy and things like that. So I think that's a hurdle we have to jump over as well. So If you're listening to this and you're not implementing talking about your products or services on your podcast, just do us a quick little favor and start doing it. Like you're going to see so much better results if you do that. And your podcast will actually be working for you and not against you, as I like to say, because I feel like if you're not talking about your stuff, then what is the point? Agree. And if this is helpful, something that has helped me sell, I think a little more confidently is just remembering that it is mutual it's easy to see selling as one way, like you're taking money from them and that's it. But hopefully all of you really believe in the service or the course they are offering. I know that I do. And that makes it easier to talk about because I feel like I'm not selling you on parting with your money. I'm selling you on the idea that I can help you get the outcome that I know that you want. 
and both of us are going to benefit. Like, yeah, I'm going to earn money, but you're going to be able to finally launch the podcast that you Mm -hmm. want or to do the thing that you've been aspiring to do. Just don't think of it as like scamming people out of money. Instead, think of it this way. You have something that probably moms really need, that business owners really need. And if you don't talk about it, you're doing them a disservice because you have the thing that would help them the most. So maybe that's a helpful mindset shift for people. Totally. And like, you're already giving them so much free content on the podcast anyway. We need to make money as, as I've said before. So they, people should expect you to talk about your stuff a little bit. Obviously it shouldn't be like a 50 minute episode talking all about your products and services. Cause that's a little overwhelming. It's not an infomercial. <laughs> exactly. So people should expect that you're going to talk about your stuff every so often because you need to make money too. And if you're putting all this time and effort in your podcast, why not sell to someone for 30 seconds to a minute in a 30 minute episode or something? So totally. And if they can't get past that 30 seconds, they were never going to buy it from you anyway. And it's not that you wouldn't want them listening, but we are as you said, Jenny, putting this content out there because we're building up our authority. We're trying to build our businesses. We're trying to make a name for who we are and what we do. And like for your podcast management services, like you save people so much time so that they can free up their time to do other things in their business. And that's such a gift. And if you didn't tell people about that, they could just be tuning in with their head, just totally underwater, (laughs) trying to do everything about podcasting themselves. And obviously as somebody who has my own show and I produce shows, like I totally see how much effort it takes and how valuable what you do is. So mentioning it is going to get your business in front of exactly the right people. You're both going to win. They're going to get more time. They're going to be able to grow their business and their podcast. Yeah. I just can't stress that enough. And I did want to ask, I know you mentioned that you weren't always running ads in your own podcast for your business, but did you notice a difference when you started promoting it more regularly? Yeah. Yeah. I did see quite a bit of opt-in downloads to all my freebies because I like to rotate them um, based on the episode. So it's not like the same thing every single time. And I did start seeing like a uptick in downloads in my email marketing provider and seeing, or not downloads, but signups essentially. So yeah, I think it's been beneficial. And then whenever I talk about my webinar, I see like an uptick in signups for the webinar and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely been helpful. And my clients, like when they actually do listen to me and they don't feel scared about it. And when they do it, they see really great results as well. One of my clients has like a shop. She has like a travel podcast and she has a shop for like travel-y stuff that is like branded. And she's like, yeah, like every time I post the merch ad that I recorded or every time we share that in the episode, like I see an uptick in sales. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Can you imagine if you didn't share about that? No one would even know. So I think it's really important to just bust through your fears of doing that because if you don't share about it, yeah, you're not going to see sales, but if you do, you might just try to get rid of that mindset of being afraid because it's holding you back from reaching your true potential. Well said. Awesome. And then since this is a podcast about podcasting, we all obviously love podcasts. So I always like to end with what is your current favorite podcast, whether you have one or several, I just love to know because I'll probably go download it if it sounds interesting to me. I'm about to share too that I'm sure people have heard of. I long time have loved startup. This is not a new podcast at all from Gimlet, but it is probably my all-time favorite podcast, which is why I mention it. It is so fascinating to me to go behind the scenes on how they started this business. My background was working in tech startups. So to hear his journey and all the things that Alex went through, the ups and downs to start Gimlet was fascinating. And I think narrative podcasts had been around. That's like what I would do if I had endless time and money is I would do more narrative podcasts Mm. because those are the ones that I really enjoy tuning into. But that was my first favorite. And then I would say like my longtime number one favorite podcast is Happier from Gretchen Rubin because she and her 
sister Elizabeth just have such a nice banter back and forth. And I like that. I feel that they offer small things that I can do because sometimes I feel really overwhelmed by all like the shoulds that come at you in life. And I don't listen to every episode every week, but anytime I tune in, I just feel like I'm left with some small thing or even just a new way of thinking that makes me feel more positive about my day. And I do think there's something to be said for surrounding yourself with positive messaging. And I read a lot, like I'm a podcaster, but I'm a book nerd at heart. (laughs) And so reading books is something that I feel really helps keep my mindset in the game and helps me learn a lot. I absorb so much from reading. So yeah, those, those are my two favorites. And my bonus pick would be soundtracks by John Acuff, the book. It just came out and it's about how overthinking should really be seen as a superpower hmm. instead of something that holds you back. So definitely I would recommend soundtracks if people listening are book nerds like me. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, I love podcasts too. And I used to read way more, but now it's just, I get into bed at eight nine and I'm just dead (laughs) from the day because just having a child is so much different than not having a child. I was like, I was prepared for the sleepless nights, but it's still like one of those things. I'm like, oh man, I read 40 books last year. And now I probably have read half of one (laughs) and we're in April. Yeah. So yeah, I totally love that. And I think podcasts are so beneficial, um, especially for people who are like busy and on the go. That's why I love them so much. And I only have two that I listen, have listened to every single episode. Most of the other podcasts I listen to are like, Ooh, this sounds interesting. I'll listen and then like skip for six weeks and then come back and listen. I'm a true crime person. I've listened to every episode of like season one of Serial, but not like the rest because that was like my original start with podcasts. But my two that I listen to every single week are Crime Junkie and theirs is really good. It's, I don't know if you've heard it before, but the host, she basically tells the story and her co-host kind of interjects with questions and she doesn't really know the story. So it's basically like she's telling us plus her co-host's story. So it's cool. Yeah. So I really like that one. And then I've always liked Sword and Scale. That was like one of my first true crime other than Serial. And yeah, that one has been around for a really long time. And I actually went back in the archives and listened to all the old episodes because it's been around for eight seasons now. So I think back to 2011 is when they first started. So I went all the way back and now I'm like almost caught up to present time. Same with Crime Junkie. I did not start listening to them when they started in 2017. So I went back to all their old episodes and listened. So yeah, those are my two favorites. Obviously I have business ones I listen to, but those are not like ones I listen to every single week. It's just, oh, this sounds cool. Let's listen and then skip a few weeks and listen to the next one. But yeah. Awesome. Tell us where we can find you online. And I'll also link in the show notes as well. So you guys don't have to like worry about typing out and misspelling something. Yeah. I would love to chat with anybody and would love to hear about any of your takeaways from this episode. You can tag both of us on Instagram. So Jenny, what's your handle on Instagram? It is Jenny Sunnison. So my name, J-E-N-N-Y-S-U-N-E-S-O-N. And mine is at Wit and Wire. I would love to know what everybody's favorite moment from this episode was. And then you can find me yeah, on Instagram at Wit and Wire. My podcast is called Wit and Wire. My business is called Wit and Wire. I'm very easy to find and I help online business owners start their podcast so they can get their message in front of the right audiences. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, it was great to get to chat and always down to nerd about podcasting. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and leave a review. You can find us at SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs.com and on Facebook at Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs and Instagram at Savvy Podcasting. Make sure to join our free Facebook community for podcasters by going to 
savvypodcastingforentrepreneurs.com slash community and join in on the exclusive community just for Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs listeners. I'll see you there.